Hello and welcome to the very latest episode of the Backstreet Boys and Girl podcast, where we are no strangers to a rant, to a rave, to a sappuccino, to a bitch, to a moan. But actually, this week, I think it's going to be quite resoundingly positive because we are talking about the very different British championships that we were treated to over the last weekend. But before we dive into events in Manchester, let's introduce ourselves in case you are new to the pod. I am Claire. I'm Bayo. I'm Jodie. And together we are the Backstreet Boys and Girl. There will be mistakes, uh, those of you who are new. There will be forgotten names. There will be hashed results. And at least one of the boys will have prepared to talk about a different national championships than the British one but we'll we'll rock and roll with it and we'll stumble our way through and I think we'll eventually conclude in about half an hour or so's time that even though the fields weren't stacked and the stadium was empty it was actually a bloody good weekend of track and field. Hi I'm Morgan Lake and you're listening to the Backstreet Boys. Right where shall we start? Claire obviously normally we were going to go we couldn't go because um, obviously with work and also there was a very limited amount of accreditation giving out um so we all watched from home did you watch it live? I watched Friday live and I watched the first half of Saturday live and then caught up with the rest of uh, Saturday on Sunday so yeah the vast majority of it and god it was such a treat it was such a lovely Friday evening in what about you two? I actually enjoyed Friday more than Saturday. And Me I think too, I was going to say the same. It was a bit more condensed. I think there were some great results on Saturday and some really interesting races, <laughs> but there was, there was also some filler and that was going to happen because a lot of the big names weren't there. And a lot of um, events that we don't have any depth in, there was like one person in some events, nobody. But even so, there were still some great competitions. But Friday, I thought was brilliant. And there was, there was, quite, there was a number of what we could call highlights. I think... There's probably my favourite moment of the championships, which may not have been the best performance, but it was my favourite, was um, Harry Aitken's Uraity winning the 100 metres. Yes. (laughs) I just think the whole of Twitter just went into ecstatic meltdown. Everyone was just so happy for him. What was that, his 12th British championships in his first title? It's strange to think he's never won one, although obviously he started, he was the world youth champion, I think in 2006 or something, way back. Um, so it's just he's been around for so long, but there's always been such other great sprinters as well. So um, it's not actually that surprising he's never won. But coming into that race, he wasn't the favourite. He's the most well-known, but he wasn't the favourite. He hadn't run well this year. He didn't run good in the in the heats at all. So he was, I thought he might come fourth. I had no, no clue that he was going to win. And it just like everyone else crumbled around him and his experience like he kept his head and he won. It was brilliant. It was just so nice to see. And it couldn't happen to a nicer person either because he's someone who's always been around. He's a stalwart of the relay team and he's always got a smile on his face. And it's just, it was just, it was just exactly what this championships was about for me. Um, and yeah. it was, yeah, my favourite moment. Well, it reminded me a bit of the, the Commonwealth in 2018 when I can't remember who, someone pulled out of the relay at the last minute and Harry was put on the, the last leg. And we actually said to someone in the team, like in, in team management, oh, you know, why Harry? Harry's not the, the fastest, why would you put him in? They said, because you can rely on him. You know, he's not going to he's not going to mess up. And that's kind of what it felt like here, wasn't it? It was like he had a wise head on his shoulders. Mm. He knew what to do when it mattered. And you're right, everyone else just crumbled didn't they really and he just came steaming through um I screamed I absolutely screamed and it was my, my also my <laughs> favorite um moment of the of the championships but I have to say it was a championship of Harry's wasn't it yes 
Yes, it was. And actually, I think perhaps that is the reason that Saturday couldn't quite live up to Friday because it was practically the very first event was the men's pole vault before I'd quite busy working down Friday. And I'd set, this is awful of me, but I'd set an alarm on my phone to tune into the British champs, um, maybe two or three hours after events had started because I wanted to just kind of dive in once I'd finished work for the day and once things were getting meaty. So I missed Harry's jump live. And then all of a sudden Twitter goes ballistic. There's all this talk of 585 and I thought, you know what, screw this. And I've got lots to be getting on with, but I need to be watching this. I tuned straight in and it just carried on from there. It set the tone so well for an evening of youngsters and breakthrough performances. Uh, we should say what we're talking about. We're talking about Harry Koppel's um, British record in the pole vault, which was the highlight of the whole, whole championships. He jumped um, 5.85. I think the previous record was, was it 82 outdoors, 83 indoors? Something like that. Yes, um, that rings a bell. I was a bit surprised, actually, because he jumped 72, which was a new outdoor PB, and then he went straight to 85. And I always, when people do that, I always think, like, what, what are you doing? You know, go for 75 or something. And then it, it became clear that his PB before is, is 80, in, indoors PB was 80. And then I'm thinking, well, why not do 81? And then it turns out the outdoor record was 82, but the indoor record was 83. So 85 was kind of like, if he wanted to get them all in one go, that's what he needed to do. And it didn't look likely, to be honest. You know, the first two attempts were were fine, but he didn't, for one moment, think he was going to do it. I thought it was more kind of exploratory. You know, when you like, you want to try these really mm. big heights so they don't become frightening later on. Um, so when he actually did it, you were like, oh my God. God, you know, <laughs> genuinely, genuinely, genuinely shocking. And it was genu- a really smooth shocking. vault. It was. Sixth mm, in the world. It looked really good when he went over it. That, that makes him sixth in the world. Imagine being sixth in the world in what we know to be the quality of the um, pole vault at the moment, you know, and think of the competitions that Incredible. now gets him into going forward. And yeah. he would have won. What meeting was on yesterday? I'm, I'm so confused with what meetings are going on at the Brussels moment. Was it Brussels yesterday? Um, no, it was in Poland. Um, oh, oh, that one. Sorry, yes, yeah. The, um, yes. Peter Lysak and Sam Kendricks were there, and neither of them jumped 5.85. So it really does show the quality of that jump. And also what's really nice for Harry Couple is he was world youth champion back in 2013 or something. And when you are so good, so young, there's this expectation that, like, you're going to come straight to this. And we talk about this a lot. Straight into the senior team, start breaking records and all the rest of it. And that's not the reality. He's still only 24. Um, and he's coming back. He's obviously been away, injured, whatever. Comes back. He, you don't forget. You don't forget how to jump. You don't lose your talent, do you? But sometimes you lose your motivation. You'll get injured. So it's great to have him back. And there was a lot of people I felt like that. A lot of people who have been very good as juniors, who, are re- who have taken the chance at these championships to really come through and show themselves as seniors. And I think just for that alone, it's been a great stepping stone. Um, as the championships mm-hmm. but yeah I mean performance wise that was the um, performance of the championships even if Harry was my favourite moment Can I say there was one other performance though which for me will have been right up there in terms of championship performances I'm going to agree with um, you. We know, I think we might, we might all agree Oh see I, I know what you think I'm going to say but I, I'm going to say something <laughs> different actually okay. I think you think I'm going to talk about Jazz Sawyers but I'm actually going to talk about Lucy Jane Matthews Oh, oh okay it was neither of those so well, go ahead She is a 17 year old sprint hurdler and she ran Cindy Feely gun to tape really hard super yeah. aggressively incredibly confidently despite having been 
beaming before the gun went off and was obviously just over the moon with that huge personal best of 13.20 at the age of 17, having broken the British uh, under 17 best earlier on this season. She's such a huge talent. She's such a competitor. And you watch that race back and Colin was just in rapture um, about how aggressive she was, how she attacked every barrier, how smooth her technique was. Good God. I mean, hurdling is an event. It takes a while to get your head around. It's so technical. She's only 17. She's got such a bright future. I absolutely, I absolutely smith and I'm a huge fan of hers. She was European junior um, silver medalist last year. And even then yes. you could tell, because I mean, she was only 16 then, um, competing to, against 19-year-olds. And you could tell how good she was. She's got a very mature head on her, on her shoulders. She's mm. also not got the greatest start, which is fine. Everyone has different skills, but she comes through so strong, so fast, got great technique. She's definitely one to look out for. 13.20 is a really good time. And I, I feel like for, in a, for, for a country that's so good at, it's got such a good history in, in hurdles, but also is so good at sprinting, hurdles at the moment is really quite weak. I mean, apart from um, yeah. Cindy and Tiffany, who aren't uh, often in, have been often injured over the past few years, and also... They, they're often in America, so they don't feel like you don't see them in, in, in Britain that often. It just feels like there's a big opportunity for someone in the hurdles to grab some initiative. I mean, last year, I think Kat was probably mm. the second f- fastest. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's and there's, it's definitely an event. I feel like people stick with this. We talked about this before, haven't we? Where people will stick to an event they know rather than changing. And I feel like there's some sprinters out there who could check, who could switch to the hurdles and really make it make an impact but yeah she's a great young talent and it was really really nice to see her especially now we've got so many great female sprinters before we, we didn't you know but now running eleven thirty in britain isn't that amazing anymore you know so um if there's a chance in the hurdles there for people who are maybe running 11 fours or you know threes or fours maybe that's a, something to look at i think the event that bayo and i thought you were going to talk about was also a hurdles race but it was right at the other end and it was amy pratt in the steeplechase oh, no. exactly what a performance to run nine thirty, literally just gun to take by yourself um I th- i'm not sure exactly where she is on the all-time list i think fifth or sixth because there's a lot of people fifth. fifth okay there's a lot of people who are run very, very clustered very very nearby yeah to, to do that by yourself without any competition, she, I mean, she, mm-hmm. she can definitely take the British record. And also she's quite an ungainly runner and quite an ungainly hurdler. So I think there's a lot of um, time to be taken out of in, the, in the actual hurdling. There's a lot of energy goes into getting over the hurdles, which I think is possibly wasted energy. But I'm not, I mean, it's no point me trying to tell you um, uh, any techniques, but um, I just, that's something that I noticed. But also she did that after having run the 800 heat the night before and then running the 800 final later. And finished fifth. <laughs> like, um, just, I just, and I love that. That really, that makes, that really makes me look at her in a different light. It makes me look at her as someone who's hungry, Absolutely. who's really dedicated, who's looking to improve where they think their weaknesses are because you're running the 800 for speed. And to do that at a championship weekend, just I think I've got nothing but amazing things to say about her. I'd not really noticed her before. Um, did she go to the Worlds last year? Because I know we had some good performances at the Worlds last year, but I wasn't, I can't remember exactly who it was. She did. And I think she ran a big personal best there, but she arrived a bit unheralded because we always talk about Rosie Clark in the steeplechase. And I don't think we look further down the rankings. She has since acknowledged that there are a lot of gains to be made in her technique. And oh, really? Training. She knows there's a lot more to come. Yeah, which is fantastic to hear. And actually, she's racing again next week in which she is targeting that British record because she's only about four and a half seconds off it right now. 
She's currently the world's number one, <laughs> which is which is amazing. Um, so going into any competition the rest of the year, like I, I suspect it's going to be like a, the first couple of um, steeplechases that happened, that that um, ranking will probably be taken away. But if she can then get in those races, that's going to make all the difference, isn't it? it it's really going to be about her mixing up with with the, the big girls, um, especially as you think when you go to a, um, a British championship and you are the favourite and you win pretty easily she could have jogged around you know 10 seconds slower taken the win it'd been her first British championship etc and it'd been fantastic and but instead she came here at the weekend and just decided this was her big opportunity and if you take that onto the bigger stage you know if this is what she's going to run at our British championships what's she going to do when she gets in the Diamond League when she gets to the Olympics you know I just thought I've got nothing but praise for her she was amazing mm. and she's only 22 I think yeah I think she's quite young yeah so it's great like just brilliant and um like we said, we we always always talk about Rosie Clark. Rosie Clark, I mean, she's technically she's so good. Um, yeah, she, she just is. she just didn't have the the speed or the the strength in her this time. But that's great. And um, yeah, Amy Pratt is only yeah she's only twenty two. And then the other woman who was like really good last year was was um, Lizzie Bird. So there's we've got three now who are all yeah. very similar in times. And it's only it can only be get better when people are pushing each other, which is what we talk about. I keep saying this, but we talk about it a lot. Is all the people who are going to be pushing each other um, coming into the Olympic year, and that can only make for great competition. Hi, my name is Asha Phillip, and you're listening to the Backstreet Boys. We also give another shout out to someone else who doubled up, uh, who was friend of the pod, Jess Judd. I mean, she's borderline masochistic. I remember she used to do cross country races at a really, really good level and then go and do a hill session with her dad um, and her boyfriend, Rob, afterwards or with her sister, uh, Jodie. She is such a hard worker, such a grafter. She's had a couple of years, I feel, after that breakthrough as a teenager, as an 800 prodigy. She did a couple of years in the wilderness, finding her feet, figuring out what her event is. And I feel like that's still perhaps coming together because she's got such range. Um, and I'm really interested to see where it is that she ends up. But for her to come out and run that hard, hard 5,000 metres, um, which was a really, really good race. Such a shame it was on the red button. Um, and then to come back the next day and run in the 1500 against Laura Waitman, who I feel was always going to win that but to acquit herself really well and come away with a silver. What a weekend for her. How good to see her back racing and enjoying well, it. I was thinking this at the time. I think she probably had the best championships of anyone. She came away with a gold and a silver medal. No, no one else doubled up in any way, did they? I don't think. Um, so, And you think of Jess Judd as being like this great junior who has kind of... She's always there or thereabouts. But I just remember last year when she ran that great race at the trials and made it definitely to the, to the World Championships. And here she comes this year, is running fantastically. And you really hope that like she can make it to the Olympics next year because she's the kind of person that we're all really rooting for, isn't she? I even remember when Jess was a 800-metre runner and I yeah, we first knew her... As, as, as a junior on the cross country and so I always thought 800 was short for her and 1500 is a bit short yeah. for her I see her being a marathon runner essentially um, eventually so tall and rangy isn't she yeah I mean she's mm-hmm. very tall which isn't necessarily helpful but she's just so gritty and she's got so much strength and so many years mm-hmm. of doing cross country as well she's I think I, I, I'll be excited to see her as she moves up distances but she's one of those athletes that you know that that we love because she always goes out and then always gives it. I hate this expression, but one hundred and ten percent. You know, mm. so I feel much the same about Jess Judd as I do about Amy Pratt. They went out there and just give give it their all, which is what we love to see. Did you well, see her last like week? Jess is right at the BMC where she was pacing the races for the under thirteen. Yes, yes, oh, gorgeous, oh, so I loved, gorgeous. I loved that. And how incredibly inspiring for those girls. 
Something I like about Jess, though, is that she showed on the Friday night with the 5,000 metres that, yes, she wears her heart on her sleeve and she's a properly gritty competitor, but she's got smarts as well because she did. She knew that she had a 1,500 metre heat coming up and she had a 1,500 metre final supposedly the next day. She let Ockenden do lots of hard work and then the other girl, Quirk, who I really like. She was just really canny in the 5,000 metres and it was really good to see that she, when she needs to, she can do it the tough way and when she wants to, she can do it the smart way and I thought that was really cool to see from her. I mean, talking about Jess Judge coming through as a junior, she was a great junior, bronze medalist at the World Juniors at eight, over 800 metres, I, th- I think I'm, I think I remember correctly. Um, we have got so many young female middle distance runners, um, like you said, um, in, in the 5,000, but in the 1,500, in the 800 especially, that was... It's a bit embarrassing, actually, isn't it? It's difficult to keep up with who they all are because they're all yeah. um, age group medalists. Um, at the at the world youths at the European juniors at the European under twenty threes, um, some of them have done multiple, so it's difficult to keep on, keep on top of who is who. But the, everybody, who, the top four this weekend, um, obviously Keely Hodgkinson won, and she is one smart runner. She's the youngest in the field. Yeah. But I remember her at the Europe at the European youths, I think it was, where she won a couple of years ago, and she was such a smart runner. Um, Kalisa Mahang, Mahanga. Um, she was the European yes. junior champion three years ago. Izzy Boffy was the European junior champion last year and the youth champion previous to that. And Ellie Baker was the European junior silver medalist and also the European under-23 silver medalist. So, uh, last year. Yeah, so they they were the top four. All of them are like 21, 22 tops. Gemma Riki wasn't there. She was supposed to be there, but like, imagine if Gemma Riki was also in there. Ridiculous. I mean, and yeah, I mean, I think that the, the top four weren't there in the 800 metres and that's just this year. There's other people who haven't yeah. even run. So mm. that is such a strong event and not just necessarily time-wise. of riches. But all of those are so young, so, so good. And I really hope that they can keep that competition going between them and really yeah. improve that they can all like, we just got a, a whole load of runners who are going to be running under two minutes very soon. But Keely Hodgkinson is something very, very, very special. Mm, that 29.3 last 200 metres. That's amazing. Yeah, that's what they clocked it as, which is really something. And she's something like the youngest winner of that title in 50 years. And I know that circumstances mean we're going to have statistics like that from these championships, but that doesn't take anything away from the fact that you can only compete against those who turn up and she couldn't have executed better, in my opinion. 100%. She probably was better than the, the others, but she also ran the best technical race. Everyone else got in a bit of a mess. Izzy Boffy, I feel like she loses concentration around 300 to go. She did it in the heat and she did it in the final. She lets people get a gap and then she's so strong. She's very fast over 400 metres and she can come back. Um... Kalisa Mahanga got in a bit of a mess um, and she missed, the, she missed the break. So, but that's why these championships are good. It's good experience and they will all learn from it and come back to the Olympic trials next year having, uh, having this experience already. If we're embarrassed by how many good middle distance female runners we have, then what on earth are we going to do with the fact that heart, the majority of our female sprinters weren't here? And yet the women's 100 metres was one of, for me, one of the events of the championships. And Crystal and Amy haven't even really? had a look in yet at our relay squads. And Amani is still, you know, not necessarily always in the first four names on the team sheet there. The calibre of women's British sprinting. Like, we love a sprint queen here at Backstreet HQ, but goodness me, what wasn't that a fantastic competition to follow? It was a great race. Um, 
And what what I, I also you know, we love Amy, don't we? She was on she was on the um, pod just a couple of weeks ago, and it's really nice to see her getting the attention she deserves because she has run so fast last year. But I thought they did a little disservice to Crystal there because Crystal's obviously a world junior bronze medalist. Mm. She didn't get a look in. They barely spoke about her. So I was very pleased to see her run so well. And for both of them to be like, I mean, uh, Crystal's run 11-16 anyway. But for Amy to be so close to those two 11-1 runners um, and it just shows, and also over 100 metres, which is, it's not seen as her speciality. And she's run it this year to work on Mm. her start, which I think has improved massively. Um, so yeah it was a really good race I think she'd have been closer to them had she not almost panicked at how close she was to them with about 90 metres to go it's in the last 10 metres watching the replays back I'm sure Amy's absolutely tearing her hair out because her technique just went to pieces because the line was there she was abreast with Imani and Crystal who are you know serious sort of 60 100 metre specialists and I think she didn't know what to do with herself how often has Amy Hunt in her career had to attempt to dip how often has she had to beat someone over the last 10 metres of a race? That hasn't happened to her before. So this experience is invaluable. And I think she would have taken a lot away from this championship. We should obviously give a shout out to Imani yes. Lantico, who won. Um, who came, she, mm. she opened the season with 11-16, which I hadn't really noticed until I think it was Friday. I noticed that, which is crazy. I think she's come fourth the last two years. Um it's just so, so exciting when you think, like, we've got two yes. world-class relay teams. You know, we could literally could make, put two teams together, which would challenge Such for point. Uh, definitely finals mm. places, possibly even medals. Um, it's going to be just absolutely bloodbath next year, isn't it? You know how sometimes if there's a, a really popular song, people do 24-hour remixes of it that go wild on YouTube that people will just have on? I could watch a 24-hour remix of Imani running. I think she is so beautiful to watch. She's aggressive but fluid. She's so athletic. She's just, I could, yeah, I love watching her run. Steve Fudge and that Fudge Project um, are really, really doing fantastic things because it was great to see OG back as well, actually. Yeah, he didn't run so great, but he's lo- He's another one who looks lovely to watch. He's just got this beautiful running style. Mm. It's going to be really w- interesting watching over the next few years. Um, I feel a bit like, you know, when American sprinters come around and you don't, well, we talk about this a lot, you know, with the NCAAs or whatever it's called, um, and we don't really take that much notice of them until they get over to Europe and make the mm-hmm. team. We're kind of on the cusp of having to start doing that with British people because, like, I haven't got enough space in my head remembering everybody is when we've got, like, 10, 12 deep, you know, who, who could possibly make um, make the team. So um, we may have to do... I personally may have to do some um, editing in my head to try and remember everybody. About two years ago, we did an interview special with Jazz Sawyers for this pod, and I asked her about the relay. And I remember her saying, you know what, if I could get a little bit quicker, I'd quite fancy having a go at trying to make that wider squad. I mean, first, we'll turn to Jazz in just a second, but the thought of anybody trying to crack into that setup now, because it's so saturated we're so spoilt for talent but jazz on the runway did look fantastic i think that work in florida is paying off and we've said it before and we'll say it again how glorious to see her jumping consistently and to see her having so much fun out there well i think that 69 was the 69 she, she jumped to win yes. i think that placed the sixth in the world um, obviously, wow. these are a bit skewed at the moment because mm. um, you know people aren't aren't competing in that. But it just shows um, what a world class talent she is, and she's also we say this time and time again, she's just someone you can rely on. You know, I, I just always never lets you down. You know, um, she and always, especially with that, that last clutch attempt. You know, if it's down to the last jump, you know she'll do it. Um, she just looked 
she just looked great. She looks in really, really good form, doesn't she? Um, the other thing, I just wanted to, sorry, just going back to, we're talking about the sprints. The, the 200 metres weren't great at this championships. Um, and the, the women's, they all got to the final and then two people got disqualified for, no, two oh, people got disqualified messy. in the heats, didn't they? Um, so everyone made it through to the final and then Crystal got disqualified as well. And she was head and shoulders the favourite. And it's such a shame especially in the 200 metres where there's no need to get such a good start. Um, but Hannah Williams mm. looked, looked, looked great. And it's interesting to see her drop down to the 200 for some speed work because I, mean, I would like to have seen her in the 400, but, but never mind. Hannah Williams, who's obviously been around a while and we've known she's for a while. She's a good junior. You know, she's Jodie's sister, etc. But I hadn't really, I don't think, noticed her before. I'm not sure I would have been able to pick her out. She's such a beautiful runner. She just looks mm, so effortless. She, really she floats. Is. She's like sort of Alison Felix-like, you know? Like Jodie. Well, but Jodie feels to me like more of a sort of strength runner, whereas um, Hannah looks far more kind of, I don't know, she just kind of floats over the track. I can't wait Goodbye, to um, see them head-to-head head over 400 metres. <laughs> oh, oh be so good. They've done relays together, haven't they? And actually, I think I read somewhere that Hannah winning that title this weekend was the first time that a title has been retained by a family at the British yes, Champs yeah. as opposed to by an individual, which is quite nice. Because obviously Jodie won it last year, which was part of that amazing uh, renaissance that she had last season. Hi, it's KJT and you're listening to the Backstreet Boys. In an absolutely classic backstreet move, we've only talked about women. (laughs) (laughs) No, we started off with men. We started off with the Harrys. That's true. That's true. We did a double Harry and then about 20 minutes of female (laughs) athletes. But there are a couple of men's events which I thought were absolutely fantastic to watch. And I wanted to do a little shout out to... We've spoken about people making comebacks from promising junior careers... Daniel Rowden in the men's 800 metres with that unreal finish after recovering from surgery last April to come back and take on possibly the best tactician in men's middle distance running right now and the most informed athlete in men's middle distance running in the form of Jake Whiteman. What a performance. Did you see him running in Stockholm or somewhere in Sweden the weekend before? Gothenburg. Yes. Yes, 144.74. Yeah. So good, so smooth, mm-hmm. so in control that for me, he was always the favourite. And what a shame that the other guys didn't show up yeah. because 800 metres this yeah. year is such a strong event. Elliot Charles has won, Elliot, sorry, Elliot Giles has won 144. Max Bergin won 144. Um, Guy, he ran 145 last night. Kyle's won 144 this year. None of them were there. And it's just, I mean, I listen, I understand, especially this year, I understand people are uh, doing races for money, not competing, whatever. But it would have been, imagine all of them in that race. It would have been so amazing. Well, you heard it here first. Next year's British Champs, men's 800 metres, is going to be spicy. <laughs> like, it's so weird because for years, we always talked about back in the day and the Coes and the Ovets. And yes, we don't have anyone who's winning medals like they do. But the lev- the depth in is is just as good. The, all of a sudden, our middle distance on the men's and the women's side, the women's has always been good. Yeah. But the depth on both sides is just ridiculous. And there's going to be mm. world-class athletes left at home um, going to the Olympics, uh, as there was last year. But uh, yeah, I, that was a great race. He He's very tactically aware as well. Um, yeah. He's got everything. Yeah, I'm very, very excited to see him. I hope he gets some more races in. So I remember him, he, he went to the Europeans in 2018 
and it's really good because he just disappeared last year completely and I probably would have forgotten all about him and when he came around this year I was like oh hang on I, I remember him he's the guy from the, from the Europeans back then and he's like a different athlete you know it's like he's he's one of those athletes now who you it doesn't matter where he is in the race you just feel total confidence you know um, yeah. and what you were saying a minute ago about his, his tactical nous Jody, about how he's like so tactically aware it's easy to be tactically aware when you've got the beating of the whole um, whole field. I remember Kelly in 2004. You know, Kelly could be wherever she wanted because she could be at the back, she could go to the front. She didn't matter where she was because she knew she could like, outkick everybody in the last 200 metres. And that's how I, that race looked to me. You know, there was at no point that I think he wasn't going to win, even if, even though Jake was in the in the field. Shout out as well, actually, to Max Wharton. And if neither of you know who he is, absolutely fine. I'd never heard of him before these champs. Um, but he was in the same heat as Daniel Rowden, um, and he oh, took out the heat. He was great, really, wasn't he? Really, really hard. Died to death in the last hundred meters. Clung on for second place to get the second auto cue spot. I don't know what happened to him in the final. It's quite possible he couldn't get out of bed in the morning and he didn't make it. But I just thought, you know what? You're at the British Champs. You're on the BBC. You've turned up as a seriously good club runner. Not to knock this. Um, young man at all and it's very possible he's going to go on to do fantastic things but I just thought to take that opportunity like that we are always bemoaning people who wait for someone else to make a move let someone else set the pace set the agenda Max just took it into his own hands and he got the qualification and I just really really applauded that I loved that I actually sent the tweet saying congrats chapeau that's what we want to see because his championships he wanted to get to the final like that was that was the gold medal do you mm-hmm. mean yeah and yeah. he went out and ran the race that would best get him into that final and we're gonna say it we're gonna say it from now till kingdom come the people who go to a championships be it the olympics or be it the british championships and don't try and get the best of them out of themselves it just makes no sense to me if you're if, mm. if like if you're gonna run around and come fifth you might as well run around in the lead and come fifth and try because you never know what's going to happen. You never know how, what other, you don't, especially this year when you don't know what people, what form people are in. So yeah, he was, he was great. Yeah. He was actually one of the highlights. I, I think, I think it's a really good shout out, Claire. He was one of the highlights of the weekend. You um, wanted to talk about the men's 400 metres as well. And I think for very good reason, because in terms of entertainment, that's got to be Right up there, right? I've never seen a race like that. I mean, Alex <laughs> Nibbs won. Never, I've never heard of Alex Nibbs. And that was another thing we spoke about these championships. He's going to be one for new names. So he's took the opportunity. On the outside lane, he was way back coming into the straight. And there was a whole line of people. Um, and he just came through and won. And it was it was brilliant. And the big names, I mean, not that they weren't big, big names, but the more established names, Lee Thompson, for example, who we expected to to win, I don't know what happened to people. I mean, I don't know what happened. Um, Alex Nibbs is only ranked uh, ninth in Britain this year, but he ran that PB at the championships Mm. where it counts. So hats off to him. That was brilliant. And let's hope we see more of him in the future. And winning a British championships, he's got himself a bit of a name. He's going to get invited to like indoors. He'll be invited to things next next summer. When it comes to the championships next summer, he's going to be invited to the trial. I mean, he would anyway, but he's going to get a lane in different races. And it's by being British champion, he's done himself a power of good. So well done, Alex Um, Nibbs. Come correct and say that he's a four hundred hurdler. Oh, that's right. Yes, I remember them saying that. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a four. He's a four hurdler. I love a race where the commentators don't realise who's winning until like ten metres from the line. Um, he never <laughs> actually hadn't mentioned him at all. Everybody else just run 
bizarrely terrible races. You know, like Alex Haydock's Wilson, who actually my money was on, um, just went out way, way too fast. Um, Lee Thompson seemed to go out way, way... Yeah, he just slowed up over the line. Um, Lee Thompson seemed to go out way, way too slow. The others got caught up in racing each other, I think. And then there was Alex Nibs on the outside, which nobody took any notice of. Um, yeah, it was, just, it was just super exciting to see, wasn't it? Alex Nibs is a 50.16400 hurdler, and he was a finalist at the World, uh, the European Under-23s last, last year. So we have seen him before. Obviously, we just didn't recognise him um, in the flat 400. But yeah, I mean, and obviously... New PBs over the over four hundred bodes well for four hurdles. So that's a really bright new talent. Well done, Alex Nibs. And also, we'll, we'll all we'll all remember him now. So that's the best yeah, exactly, best, it? exactly. Oh, it makes sense. I like exactly. it. Exactly, clever, clever. <laughs> I like it. Right, okay. Anyway, my name's Ben Williams, and you're listening to the Backstraight Boys. Now, speaking of making names for oneself, you two were guests of honour on the British Athletic Supporters Club's <laughs> preview of the Champs with the beloved Kath Mary. And it was so great hearing her back announcing over the tannoy mm. all weekend at the Champs. It was lovely to hear her back doing what she does best. Um, and I believe you two gave a bit of a glowing uh, ahead of time write-up for the women's shot put. <laughs> How do you feel that delivered, <laughs> Cometh the Champs? Um, the thing is, we've got such high expectations of that event now that it was a, yes. little, a little bit of an anticlimax. I mean, it wasn't an anticlimax. It was it was a great competition. And between um, Sophie and Amelia, who were both world-class um, shot putters mm. um, on, on distances, they're 15th and 21st in the world this year, and they've only competed a couple of times. So it, it wasn't... Um, we were hoping, you know, for both of them to go over 18 metres, to all that kind of stuff didn't happen but real, it was real fireworks you wanted didn't we yeah but but, mm. but that just shows what um how great they've been over the last couple of years that uh a shot put competition where the they did 1788 and 1747 and we're like yeah it was all right because three or two or three years ago we would have been over the moon at those distances so it's good to see them both fit and healthy both over 17 metres, a lot more to come from both of them. I think we'll have two um, people at the Olympics next year. And also, the, it, most importantly, they've got that competition. You know, if you've got to fight to be yes. the British number one, that pushes you on and on. And um, it's really, we've, we haven't had that for, you know, 30 years in, in the shop, in, in any kind of competition at all. So it's, it's fantastic to see. And apparently they don't get on that well. So there's maybe a little bit of niggle between them as well, mm. which <laughs> which is great for us. It's great for the competition. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. I don't, yeah, I don't know that's true. <laughs> now, that was a fantastic competition to watch because Amy and Sophie are very expressive, effusive, passionate competitors. So thank God they weren't obscured by a cage or any sort of paraphernalia like the hammer throwers were. This has been a resoundingly positive episode, but I think that I did mention earlier it was a real shame the women's 5,000 metres were shoved on the red button when it was such a good race and showcased some really, really strong talents. It was also a shame, um, and I think I've seen people tweeting about this as well, that some of the choices of camera angles, and I understand it was a difficult chance to stage and to broadcast, but you couldn't see much of the hammer throwing. And I think, Jodie, you said that was actually to the detriment of those watching athletics for the first time. Well, yeah, my friend's staying with me at the moment, and she was watching the athletics. She doesn't know about athletics at all. And the discus was on and she said, well, that's a shit sport. You can't see where it landed. And I was like, well, that's no, no, don't, <laughs> don't say that because that's not normally how you see it. But I imagine mm-hmm. that's that stadium. It's not got high stands. I don't know where they're going to put cameras to look down on the on the 
field to see where things land because it was the same in the javelin they were getting some very weird angles but also the javelins weren't going anywhere either so that's that may be why they missed them but um yeah it is it is a shame but listen it was a test event for broadcasters as well as it was for athletes it was put Mm. together at such short notice next year the olympic trials will be there they've done one there now they'll know a little bit more about it so hopefully they can um they can they can get better at the presentation for, for the for the Olympic trials next year. Yeah, because it wasn't just a first for the athletes, it was a first for any any sport being broadcast on there, wasn't it? So there's was bound to be teething problems. We'll give them the um, benefit of the doubt this time. So putting on our togas and our vine reeds, it's time for thumbs up or thumbs down for the British I wonder Champs where that was going. 2020. <laughs> but it's, it's, <laughs> it's not a visual medium we're working on, but um, I'm going to give it a big thumbs up. Yeah, I'm giving it two. Bear's giving it a double. Two thumbs, thumbs up. Um, yeah, it was just great. It was just great. It was th- fantastic to see. I, this is what we say. This <laughs> I was going to say. We say this a lot. Do you know what we say a lot? We say that we say this a lot, a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I just love athletics. I love the competition. I love the top end. I love the Olympics. I love the World Championships. But as we will remember, back in 2018. Um, off my favourite championship the whole um, year was um, the British Trials. I love great competition and that doesn't have to be um, Harry Koppel sitting a, a British record with, with no competition. You know, I was just as excited by the, the women's 100 or the men's 400, you know, or the men's 800. Um, just great competitions. And it's especially exciting for us. People, there have been a lot of people complaining in the last couple of years about how, you know, we don't have the big stars. That's just not how I see it at all. I just see it almost the opposite, you know. It feels like we've been clinging to two, two or three big stars for the last to a decade almost, and now we maybe don't have one or two top top flight. We have loads, loads, and loads in such a huge raft of events coming through, which just bodes so well for the next like the next decade. I, I couldn't be more excited. And Bayer, it's not just you or us that enjoys the competition because the viewing figures were over a million on the Friday evening on BBC Two and they beat BBC Two, I think they're on BBC Two and they beat BBC One and ITV in the same thing. And so this idea that athletics isn't popular is nonsense. This was a championships with no big names, certainly not stadium, certainly not, there's no KJT, there's no Laura Muir, there's no Dino and they're they're the big names and a lot of the B-string ones weren't there as well. When you put athletics on that make it accessible to the public at a decent hour, they will watch it and they will love it. And I, I'm just, I just worry about the going forward and about the accessibility of athletics. At the moment, it's great because we're finding things on YouTube, on links, on red buttons. Um, but we know where to find them. There's talk about Britain not having any diamond leagues next year, BBC not paying, I think it's two and a half million for the rights, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know where things are going to be and I don't know how accessible they're going to be, but there has to be athletics accessible, easily accessible to the public. And time and time and time again, they show that it is one of the most popular sports in the UK. Hey, this is Neve Emerson and you're listening to the Backstraight Boys. I've just got one very small like uh, complaint, not about the championships themselves, but can anybody, what they call themselves these days, British, British athletics, um, yeah. can Jodie, um, Claire, can you please find me the results on the website? No. Ooh. It's, an it's on- a fun it's challenge. A, it's an ongoing thing. This, this, isn't, this isn't recent. I have a list of results reason. because I was emailed them. But you're right, it's so that's, difficult that's to find I mean. stuff. 
That's what I mean. And yes. this isn't just recent. Yes. This is ongoing through like God knows how many years since they've had the website. I cannot find the results on there. I've been using the Athletics Weekly results page for mine. But if you go onto the championships itself, I don't know where they are. And maybe I'm wrong, but Jodie's right. I do have have access to the results on an email that I was sent uh, from the press department. But just just as a, a regular view, if you just wanted to go on and see what's happening, I've, I don't know where to go. I can't find them. God, I've, n- I've not found them yet. You're right. When you do get them, Claire, they're, they're not on one page. You have to click into each individual event, which is really long. Um, IWF, because yeah. I'm on some Found mailing them. list. Oh, well done. The mm. IWF sends you the results after every single meeting as one document. Very easy. It's all very simple. So it can be done. So you're right, Bayer. That's something that they do need to just a little bit of work on. If the future of the Diamond League in the UK is uncertain and broadcast rights are still being thrashed out and results are pretty tricky to find for Joe Bloggs. At least there has been some really positive um, administrative and kind of structural news this week in the announcement of Christian Malcolm as the new Olympic Performance Director. Have I got the right term there? No idea. Um, <laughs> I thought he was head coach. Well, let me just say that, um, you know, we, we're not on the technical side of it. We're not on the inside, as it, as it were, of what goes on in, in UK athletics or what they're called these days, British athletics. Um, but just you can see from the outpouring of support from the athletes themselves, what a popular um, mm-hmm. popular decision this is. And even from like a few months back when it was being um, spoken about, everyone, you know, we've had, we've had direct messages from really, really famous like top British athletes saying to us like, you know, it's got to be Christian. Um, the athletes themselves seem really, really pleased with this. And so we have to be pleased as well because they know far better than we do. You're right. There hasn't been a single sniff of negativity around the appointment. Absolutely it's just not. been so... And what I think is indicative of that is how forthcoming people have been. Athletes who aren't big on social media, who don't often speak out, have taken the time to voice their approval of that decision. And I think that is that really does, like you said, speak volumes to show that the athletes are behind it. Broadcasters are behind it. I've seen a lot of journalists tweeting positively about it, not from a professional capacity, but just as individuals. Um, and I think his enthusiasm and all the grabs that I've read from him and all the interviews that I've seen with him is really contagious. He's so excited to have that influence now. Well, I mean, I've, we've known him for ages. He's, he's, he's the kind of athlete that we, you know, me and Jodie have been knocking around for a while now. And we've seen him going back like 20 years. So he's the kind of athlete that we always know to say hello to. You know, we're not like super friends with him, but he's always been chatty and friendly. And he's just a really, really nice guy. You know, mm. you, you don't find anyone with a bad word to say about Christian Malcolm, um, which says something, doesn't it, when you've been around as long as he has. Um, I know it's topical, so, but there was a number of headlines where, like, Christian Malcolm becomes first black coach. And I, I understand why it's relevant right now, but he, that's not why he's got the job. He's got the job because he's been in the British team since the mid-90s because he is an exceptional coach who won Sports Personality Coach of the Year for coaching the relay team to the gold medal at the World Championships. He's head of the Australian Institute of Sport or some coach there at the moment so he got it on merit and um, my understanding is he didn't even do it have to do an interview um they interviewed two other people who then didn't get the job and they offered it to christian maybe he did a zoom interview i don't know but it just shows the popularity and this is a tough job i mean there's a lot of people who've had this job and it's not an easy job there's a whole political element to it as well that we don't really understand mm-hmm. we just want to see the athletes and see the, the results but he's going to have to negotiate that but being so popular and having such a, a, a wealth of support from people helps you in the it's political sphere as well. 
yeah, to having that goodwill will help you in the political sphere as well. So I, I'm very excited about him having the job and coming up to... Oh, there's just so much to be excited about coming up to the Olympics next year. And in some ways, I'm quite happy the Olympics has been postponed. Mm. And I think between him and Joanna Coates, we've got some new, fresh voices at the helm of British athletics. And it is a sport that has enjoyed historic success because as a product, like you said, as the viewing figures attest, it is fantastic. But I do think athletics needs a shake-up. It needs someone to change things and to bring some fresh energy to it and some new ideas. And I think between the pair of them, that bodes really, really well for the future. Well, naming no names, but there's a particular big name athlete who has been um, DMing us like with just their thoughts on what's going on behind the scenes. And there's a lot of stuff that we don't know about. You know, the sort of stuff we could go straight over our heads that um, he was pointing out this is wrong and that's wrong. And he was like, Christian's definitely the person to, to sort it out. So that's really good to know. Harry was a unanimously popular winner of the 100 metres. Christian Malcolm was a delightedly received um, announcement this week. Something else that I think we should just touch upon. I think there are kind of two performances personally that I want to touch on quickly before we wrap today. Um, is just it's Mo's Mo's one hour well very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I cared so much about that. You're right. That was really really exciting. <laughs> I was glued to that. The <laughs> no <more>. strong. <laughs> if it hadn't been for the halogram, I wouldn't have watched a second of it. I just didn't care. I'm sorry. I just didn't care. No, I don't care for so many reasons, but I'm going to have another yeah. rant about this electronic <laughs> pacing. Of course you're breaking world records when you literally can just follow a light at an even pace the whole way around. You have nothing to do yourself. Nothing. Can you imagine what Hayley and Ken and Nisa would have run with that technology? Not world records in my book. And I don't care about a, a world hour record. It's not televisual at all. And I don't care about what Mo Farah does either. And unfortunately... Um, I feel very similar about Sif and Hassan, who seems like a lovely person. I completely agree. I got some very funny looks on my run this morning because I was with someone, I was trying to explain the Haley hologram and I was doing an impression of the way that it ran uh, around Wimbledon Common and people walking their dogs were looking at me because I was running like this. I thought it ran like a pole vaulter. Yes, freakishly upright. <laughs> it was kind of like... Um, sorry, but I interrupted you. You actually had two things you did want to discuss, didn't you? So, what, what No, I'm, I'm really glad that we touched upon those super, super exciting hour world records. <laughs> um, I wanted to touch upon <laughs> how incredible the men's pole vault was in Lausanne. Sam Kendricks and Mondo Duplantis, I'm so glad that they're both so young and they're going to be around for a long time because I think we're going to see magic from them both. Um, and I just wanted to commiserate my all-time favourite, Carsten Borholm, for essentially breaking the world record in Stockholm, uh, but for the clattering of a final hurdle. It's a matter of when, not if, surely. Yeah, surely. But yeah. We, we, thought um, that, we thought that about Sambo a couple of years ago, and we thought that about other athletes, right. and this might be his purple patch. You don't know what's... I mean, he's got a couple more races, I guess, this year, but you never know what's going to happen with people. So, right. I mean, you can't, you can't say it's in the bag, but, I mean, it looks very likely... I remember the semi-final of the men's 200 at the 1992 Olympics when Mike Marsh just slowed up at the line and didn't break the world record. He ran like 100 a second more or something like that, wasn't it? Um, and that was, you know, 
that was his opportunity to play the world record. He never came close again. Um, if he just run through the line, he would have been a world record holder, but he didn't, and it never happened again. So you, you never can tell just because someone's looking great. You've got no idea what's going to happen um, afterwards. So just about the the pole vault in Lausanne, was it in Lausanne? Yeah. Did anyone see the end of it? Because didn't it finish on the red... Didn't it finish? So I was just going to say that, but I thought it was me being stupid, so I thought I'd missed it. What they showed later, what they showed on the BBC when they were showing the British trials, and they said, this is a great competition, I was like... I mean, to be fair, we, prob- we probably could have found it online or something at the time, but I went... No, I'm, I'm with you. I thought it had finished on the red button. I, I-, I didn't realise they got up to 207. But it's another example... What you could find... It's just another example of when you show things, the excitement that people had from watching that yeah. when it's on TV. Mm. So Because it was uninterrupted, yeah. in-depth pole vault coverage, and we use this word all the time, but there was a narrative to the competition. You saw every jump. There was no silly, oh, here have been the best three performances of the night. There was a real sense of urgency, and it was so exciting. And the suspense coming into every jump, knowing that you were watching it live, I thought was really great. Um, and yeah, the reason that you couldn't find the end of it was because the coverage ended um, and then it descended into fast because they didn't have adequate lighting, which is why you've seen those amazing photos of people uh, using their phone lights to try and light the runway for Mondo and Sam. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't so, think it's so, like so, the Wanted concert back in 2000 <laughs> where everyone had their phone lights out. Um, but for these wild record attempts. So, so we didn't miss it on the red button. That wasn't us. That was, that was the red button, yeah? I couldn't find it on the Beeb anywhere. Okay. I had to find it online. The other thing I want to find online, actually then coming back to Carsten, is apparently there is a documentary about him and Coach Leaf in Norway, like uh, Keeping Up with the Ingebrigstens, or whatever that's called, and I'm determined to hunt that down because apparently there is a subtitled version. <laughs> I just know that show is Keeping Up with the Ingebrigstens, but it's not called that, is it? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Tony Minicello, and you're listening to the back straight boys <laughs> Perfect. anything else from the world of athletics you'd like to touch upon if anyone was watching the Camilla Skolimowska memorial last night there was a performance that just was out of this world it was a real shame because it, they didn't show it live so it, it missed the, the kind of urgency that you yeah. get when you watch something live but um, Johannes Vetter threw 97-76 in oh. the javelin. 97.76. Now, the world record is one of those out there world records that we just don't think was ever going to get ever going to get beaten. Also set set by the set by the goat, you know, set by the greatest of all time. It's like it's not like a fluky one, is it? It's, it's actually set by um, Jan Zalesny. He's he's one of these mythical figures. You don't sort of think that people are going to be thrown uh, nearby anytime soon. Exactly. And it's like it's 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 one of those records that's so far out there that we don't even think about people breaking it. It's just not something that we ever give any thought to. Even when the javelin has been so amazing over the last few years, we still haven't thought anyone was going to be throwing 97, have we? No, because people are throwing like 92s, 93s, and we're like, oh my God, that's so far. And someone comes out and throws, and he he backed it up with a a 94. 94? So like once, the same as like the shot put, which is another event that we've watched for years and just not given any thought to the world record being broken. This is something we're going to have to think about because he's only, so the world record is 98.48, um, set in 1996, and he he threw 97.76. So I, I can't do maths quickly, but it's like, it's six, like 70 centimeters, 72 centimeters. 72, yeah. Um, imagine, imagine. <laughs> 
I can't imagine that someone breaking the 90, breaking Yanzelisti's world record. We also have to remember, do you remember when Uwe Holm threw like 101 metres yeah. or something and they changed the specification of the javelin to make sure it couldn't go that far? It was getting dangerous. And when you saw that throw from um, Johannes Vetter, you saw that it had actually gone past the, mm. um, like all the way to the shot put ring. And it very easily could have been, you know, a judge or someone somewhere near there, you know, you would not, not thinking it was going 10 metres further than they were expecting. So, you know, if people are going to start throwing up the 100 mm. metre line, they're going to have to do change the specification. Even again. the officials were totally stock shocked by it. It went straight over their heads and they had to run back yeah. to it. It was a, a monster throw. Um, and once again, we talk about this all the time. Johannes Vetter, Thomas Rolander, um, I think, is it Andreas Hoffman? Hoffman, um, yes. Who, then, who was, oh, no, I don't, don't know if he's still throwing, but like the Germans have got this massive, there's another guy called Bernard Seifert who threw 89 metres last year. Um, yeah. so it's they've the got, conveyor belt. Exactly. Javelin um, talent. There's so many of them. And you don't know, next year, Johannes Vetter may not even be the number one in Germany. So yeah. it's yeah. going to have to, they're, they're, that kind of competition is going to push them to, yeah, I think you're right, Bay. I think they're going to have to change the, the specification of the javelin again. This is Jess Judd and you're listening to the Backstraight Boys. So all in all, actually, a really exciting yeah. few weeks in athletics, which is really nice. <laughs> Who's I don't, all going to say that? I know, I'm kind of, kind of lost for words. <laughs> no one's got anything to, to grumble about, really, which is just so unexpected after such a roller coaster of a year and we were actually just saying before we hit record that all these athletes are out there competing so much the results are coming in thick and fast i didn't think that in 2020 i'd struggle to say abreast of athletics results but i'm drowning in them well it's almost kind of like what was, if you've got nothing to complain about what's the point of this podcast <laughs> yes yeah, stop recording yeah um Guys, we'll be back when things go tits up again. <laughs> we're, taking a, we're taking a break. It's our off-season. Everything's happy clapping. But also, guys, there's a lot more coming up. Um, Ostrava's yeah. tomorrow night. Um, tomorrow. I th- there's two Diamond League coming Diamond, Diamond Leagues coming up. There's a gr- something about the Great North Run. There's also the London Marathon, uh, just the elite fields are racing, aren't they? Um, that's, I think, yes. the first week of... Of October. 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 So there's a lot of stuff that we're going to be talking about. Um, there's more pods to come. I think, obviously, um, we, d- we did a lot of interviews and stuff <laughs> earlier in the summer, and then we have had a break. But over the winter, we'll be doing a lot of interviews of big-name people getting ready for the Olympic year. How exciting. And if, in the meantime, if in between pods, you want to get involved and chat to us, we are highly active on social media these days, although we can never remember our respective handles. So, boys, take a moment, ready yourselves. Twitter, at BackstraightB. Yes, Jodie Bayo. Instagram, Backstraight Boys Podcast. And I am at Claire underscore G Thomas on Twitter. We would love to hear from you. A moment to appreciate that the boys got that right. That's the first thing in about six months, I think. Can I just say one thing? And we always forget to say this, and it's really important. So we should um, sort of say at the end of every podcast, if people can please, like if you're listening now, okay, you're listening now on your phone, just go to us on on your um, uh, podcast provider, whatever it's called. Um, Go in there, scroll down, and just give us a five-star rating, please. Um, A review would also be lovely. Remember, if you do give us a great review, we have prizes, which will be be winging their way to you. But because we haven't said this very often recently, uh, we haven't been sending any prizes out. So if you go down, please give us a five-star review, because it knocks us up the rankings. It knocks us up the ratings, and more people find us. Um, And then if you leave us a nice review, there is still some swag in the cupboard that we can send your way. And also, just as have you watched this, have you got any re- 
if you've got any questions, if you've got any points you want to make about what we've been talking about, please do tweet us and because we, we love having a conversation with all of you guys. So do tweet both ourselves and Claire and let's start the chat. We love chatting about athletics. We love that Christian Malcolm is now in a position of greater power within British athletics. And we love that Harry, King Harry, is British champion. And I think on that triumphant note, let's sign off for the day. You've been listening to the Backstreet Boys and Girls podcast. And God, we love British champs. (laughs) 